Amen. Thank you, choir. Amen. Church, here's the thing. When Jesus gives us a commandment, we really got to listen. And in the gospel reading this morning, Jesus gives us a commandment. Love one another, he says. Now that's a hard thing to do. And because right, like, people can be pretty cranky and closed-minded and selfish and cruel, but the book says it. Jesus commands it. Love one another. And I know, I know, we'd probably all like it if we just moved along and found another text to preach on this morning, but I don't think we should get off that easily. All right? So we'll be looking at the gospel reading from John chapter 15 this morning, and I've titled this sermon, Freed to Bear Fruit. Please pray with me. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O God. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. In order for us to understand this gospel passage a little bit better this morning, it's important for us to put these verses into the proper context. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me, the pew Bibles in front of you or whatever you brought with you. We're going to open up to John chapter 15, but we're going to start at the beginning of that chapter. This was not part of the included verses, but it's important for us. So John chapter 15, starting at verse 1 there. In the beginning of John's 15th chapter, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. All right, we'll stop there. These two verses from the beginning of chapter 15 are important because they help us understand a little bit better what Jesus has to say later on in the chapter, the verses we just read a few minutes ago. If you look down further in the reading to verse 16, this was part of our reading this morning, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. We need to break down these words slowly because what Jesus is actually saying is pretty clear and quite simple, but it can get lost a bit in all the words that he uses. You see, Jesus is saying that he's the vine. We get that in the beginning of chapter 15. And we are the branches. Okay, making sense. And then we, as branches, should bear fruit. Fruit that will last, Jesus says. But what does that exactly mean? Fruit that will last. Bearing fruit. What does that mean in the midst of this analogy? Well, Jesus tells us very clearly in verse 17. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Bearing fruit means loving one another. That's Jesus' end goal. That's his purpose. That's his mission. That's his hope. Jesus, the true vine, helps us, the branches, grow so that we will bear fruit by loving one another. 
Now, let's be very clear about one point here. I am not saying that we have to bear fruit in order to be saved. That's not how it works. It's very clear in the passage. We are saved, and the joy of this reality moves us to love our neighbor more fully. It starts with Jesus and then works within us to grow and bear fruit. You see, it's the love and grace of Christ that changes us. It transforms us. It frees us to bear fruit by loving our neighbors. Now, it's getting a little muddy. It's getting a little confusing. I understand it. So let me tell you a story that will maybe help make this all a little bit more clear. I'm dating myself now. I know the question amongst the churches. How old is pastor actually? And you're going to be able to do the math here, but that's all right. When I was in 10th grade, I went to school that morning. And I remember at the beginning of fourth period, my high school math class, the principal got on the announcements. This was not a normal occurrence. And the principal said to us, we're just wanting everyone to know that there's been a terrorist attack in New York City. This was September 11th, 2001. And that was the first that I had heard about this. Now, I went to high school in Albany, New York, not too far from New York City, in fact, Um, It's kind of right at the upper limits of where um, I had friends whose parents commuted down to the city um, in order to work every day and then rode the train back up. So it really was close to home that these events happened. And so I spent the whole day just kind of in a daze, not really sure what to make of it all. I was in 10th grade, and uh, because of God's rich blessings, this was really the first time that anything traumatic had happened in my life. If you can remember back, too, I was only in 10th grade, and at that point in our country's history, there was not a lot of turmoil internationally or even nationally at that point. It had been a good couple of years there. And so when this all happened, it was a lot for 10th grade Nate to take in. And I remember just kind of, you know, watching the news, making my way through the day, trying to understand it all. And then finally that evening, when I'm lying in bed, just mulling over everything that happens, I start to get pretty scared. I start to think that maybe this is the beginning of a bigger war. Maybe this is the beginning of the end. And so I start, really for the first time in my life, asking these questions about, well, what happens if I die? What happens if we go to war? What, am I going to be okay? And so eventually, it's just too much to handle. I go into my parents' bedroom, and I say, you know, just lay it all out there. Everything that's going on. Here's what I'm struggling with. I don't understand it. I'm really scared. And my dad, who, as many of you know, is a a pastor. And so my dad says to me, Nate, you were baptized. When you were a month old, we had you baptized. And so that means that you have been marked by the cross of Christ forever. That your promises are tied up in God. And now my dad's a pastor. He had told me this so many other times in my life to that point. This was like the dinner conversation every day. But at my lowest moment, it really hit home. At my lowest moment, those words about God's promises and grace finally became real for me. At that moment, God's grace changed me. 
as I was struggling for the first time in my life with this idea of my mortality, at that moment, God's promises became real and it changed my life. Now, I was a pastor's kid. Of course, yeah, I had to go to church every Sunday and I was supposed to read my Bible here and there. But after that day, it actually started to matter. It was for me at that moment. It was so that I could really passionately follow my faith in this way. God's grace had found me at my lowest moment and it had lifted me up. And from that day forward, going to church, practicing my faith, serving and loving my neighbor, it all became real and important for me in ways that it never had before. Church, grace changes us. God's grace covers us and it uplifts us in difficult moments. But God does all of this for us so that we can discover a new way to live. A new way of life. A life that is truer and fuller and better. After that moment on September 11th, my life took on an entirely new direction. It had new meaning and new purpose. God didn't just bless me by taking my fear away at that moment. God also blessed me by giving me a new passion for my life. I would not be standing before you today if God's grace hadn't encountered me like it had on that day 17 years ago now. God's grace changes us because God's grace frees us. God loves us despite our mistakes. God picks us up when we're at our lowest. God forgives us when we don't deserve it. And those moments change us because those moments free us. They free us from our shame. They free us from our guilt. They free us from our fear. In John chapter 15, verse 15 that we just read, Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer. We have been freed from all the barriers that might hold us back from loving one another. The grace of God changes us and it frees us to love one another. No longer do we need to think that our past somehow disqualifies us from doing God's work. No longer do we have to worry that we won't be good enough. No longer do we have to be so concerned about having everything go our way. God loves us no matter what, and so that means that none of this stuff really matters. And so instead of worrying, we can dedicate our lives to listening and understanding our neighbors and caring for the most vulnerable among us. Let me share one more story that kind of illustrates some of these points as well. This takes place when I was a junior in high school, uh, 2002, for those following along. And so when I was a junior in high school, uh, my English teacher had proposed this project for us. She wanted to help prepare us for college. And so she said, I'm assigning you to read this book, Lord of the Flies. You all had to read that in high school, I bet, right? We know it. (laughs) And she said, I'm assigning you this right now. And and now here's how it's going to work. You're not going to have like weekly or nightly assignments. One month from today, you're going to have a test on Lord of the Flies. So you need to work out the schedule yourself and read it, right? She's preparing us for how college is going to work. And, and so I waited until the night before. <laughs> right? Like you do. I was, I was a procrastinator. I had done this all the time. Uh, and so the night before, the teacher says, like, just a reminder, we have a test tomorrow on Lord of the Flies. I hope you have read the book by now. I'm like, oh, 
No good. So I got home from school. Thankfully, I had no, like, sports practices or other meetings that I had to go to. Thankfully, I didn't have any other homework. I sat down on my couch, and I opened for the first time Lord of the Flies and got to reading. And now my mom came home from work just a couple minutes after that. And she sees me. She's like, Nate, what are you doing? And so I explained to her my whole predicament. Yeah, I kind of put this whole book off until today. And so now I have to read it all by tomorrow. And she gets this little twinkle in her eye. She's like, okay. And then she moves along. And over the course of the evening, she would come and check in on me again and again. She's like, how's it going, Nate? I'm like, coming along. At 8.30 at night, finally, after reading for about four hours, I finished the book. And I yell and I throw it across the room in jubilation. And my mom comes downstairs. And she's got her hand behind her back. And she says, hey, did you, did you finish the book, Nate? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's done. And then she produces from behind her back the cliff notes for Lord of the Flies. <laughs> she had the cliff notes, the summary of the whole book, condensed form, upstairs in her closet. And she knew it all along and didn't give it to me until I had done all the reading. Because my mom loves me. Because my mom wants to raise me to be a mature adult. Because my mom wants me to learn that you can't procrastinate and leave a whole book off until the last night. But also because my mom wants me to succeed and do well on that test. So, that's a lot like God. God wants us all to become more mature versions of ourselves. God gives us commandments and restrictions Not because God wants to oppress us, but because God wants us to discover a more full, a more complete way of life. God wants us all to become less fearful versions of ourselves. Jesus Christ, the true vine, wants us to bear fruit that will last. Church, that's all there really is to the life of faith. We love one another because Christ loved us first. We love and serve our neighbors because we have been freed from our sin, freed from our doubts, freed from our fears. There's nothing to hold us back from becoming branches that bear fruit. Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches and we have been freed and called to bear fruit by loving one another. And now that can be hard That can be difficult and frustrating, but it's also the only way that's really worth living. It was difficult and frustrating when my mom showed me that she had the cliff notes all along, but it was for my own good, and I see that now. But let's just stop for one second and point out that it is possible to be a branch that bears no fruit. And this should be convicting for us. You can be connected to Jesus the vine, a recipient of God's grace, and yet still not love your neighbor as you ought. You can be baptized, saved by grace. You can be in church every Sunday. You can join all the clubs and read all the books and go to all the conferences. But if you don't love your neighbor, then you aren't bearing fruit. You aren't living as fully as God desires. Church, our job is simple. All we need to do is let the grace of God flow through us. Let the grace of God into your heart, 
Let it change you. Let it transform you into a more alive, a more joyful, a more loving version of yourself. That is what God desires. I'll close by sharing this. It's one of my favorite quotes that you may have heard before, and I'll be honest, I'm not even sure who said it first, but it sums this all up quite perfectly for us. It goes like this. Church, God loves us exactly the way we are, and yet way too much to let us stay that way. Thanks be to God. Amen.